Would you open your Bibles with me to Philippians chapter 1 in your New Testament? Your Bible is a big library of 66 books, and if you can find the single volume in that library named Philippians, you will be ready to follow along with us. This is where we're going to be throughout our time together this morning in God's Word. We're going to lean on a man who was carried along by the Holy Spirit of God as he wrote this amazing letter. I don't know if it's yours. I know because quite a few of you have told me Philippians is the favorite book of the Bible for many, many people full of joy and peace and hope. We've been reading it this past week on Friday, we were in Philippians chapter 3. Lord willing, tomorrow our daily Bible reading schedule takes us to Philippians chapter 4. And if you have not been reading along with us, there isn't anything in this world this week that you could read that is more valuable than a letter in your New Testament of the Bible like Philippians. We're so glad that you're here. Thank you for being here. Those of you who are joining us via live stream, Welcome. We hope our time in God's Word is encouraging to you. I don't know if you've noticed, but in many ways there has been a, a pattern, a theme to everything that we've done together this morning. We've read a Word, God's Word, and we've sung songs praising God, thanking God, glorifying God. We've observed the Lord's Supper. May it be abundantly clear as we dig into His Word this morning that He is the main character. We've even sung that in a variety of ways to each other this morning. Oh, to be like Him. All that I have and am I am bringing, we've sung, Lord, from this moment, all shall be thine. What a powerful resolution to make in song together this morning. We've sung what is available just over in the glory land. And the only reason that we know that's even a possibility for us fallible and, and fickle and sometimes foolish as we are is because he's told us. Not just like a guide saying, well, over there there's something wondrous, but you, you'll never be able to go there. No. He sent his son who described himself as the door and the way to these blessings that are just over in the glory land. We've sung, now I've given to Jesus everything. Now I claim Him as my King. Appreciate the thought that John put into those selections in leading our minds because in many ways, this is our theme for the year. Roger introduced it to us last Sunday morning, and if you haven't had the opportunity to watch or, or to listen to that introduction, to pick up one of those 
theme booklets for the year all revolving around. Here's our point of focus for 2022. Now, I am His and He is mine. It's drawn out of that powerful hymn we sing to each other. As He stands in victory, sin has lost its grip on me. Listen, for I am His. And He is mine. Bought with the precious blood of Christ. What an amazing blessing. What a powerful point around which to focus our hearts, if the Lord wills, for the next year. What I'd like to do is just dig one layer deeper than Roger was last Sunday morning. We're going to keep it really basic. We're going to use one book of the Bible to try and, and really understand what's that mean? That, that first phrase. Why does it matter? Just those first three words. I am His. You know, we understand that when we turn the, the, the basic principle around. You go to lunch today, and you realize a couple hours later that you must have left your debit card at the restaurant and you call with a, a mild tinge of panic in your voice and you ask if anyone left a, a debit card at some point during the, the lunch rush hour and if they happen to say that they did discover one, a waiter or a waitress turned it in and, and they ask you your name, well, you give them the name and it matches and then you go over to that restaurant and, and you explain the situation in order for them to understand that little piece of plastic that is tied to the money that you have in the bank, why did you go to the trouble of calling and going back where you just were? Well, we understand. That's mine. That little piece of plastic belongs to me. If in just a little while, Jim gets up in our, our closing announcements and he says, would the, the driver of a, a black Nissan Altima uh, let us know that uh, well, we need to let you know your trunk has been opened this entire time. There's going to be one person who's really interested in going out there and, and shutting the trunk of their car because that's, that's my car. Or Jim would really get the attention of a number of people if he announced, well, uh, right before services, a three-carat diamond engagement ring was found in the ladies' restroom. And there might be more than one person who looks down, wants to make sure that they have their ring on their finger. We understand what the basic principle means when we turn it around. Well, let's think about what it means from God's perspective. Let's make it personal. Just using this one letter we've been reading through. Let's see if we can't get a good idea. As Paul shows us what it means, I 
am his. Is your Bible open there to Philippians chapter 1? We only have to go to the very first verse where we begin to get a sense of what this means. In Philippians chapter 1 and verse 1, the authors are introduced. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. If you know your Bible, you know that that had not always been true, especially of someone like Saul of Tarsus. He previously knew about Jesus of Nazareth, but he was convinced Jesus was an imposter. He was offended by the very idea of Jesus being the Christ, the long-awaited Messiah, the anointed one of God. But everything has changed. Everything, And it's so important for you and for me to realize that if the rest of what we're going to see in Philippians makes any sort of sense. Paul is not like a Zacchaeus that is watching Jesus as he passes by way up in a tree. This man who was formerly Saul of Tarsus is not just out on the fringes of a crowd and happy to be a part of a crowd that's eager to hear what Jesus has to say. There were lots of people who were interested in what Jesus could do, especially if it meant some sort of a blessing for them. Or someone that they loved. But you see, from the very first Verse, everything has changed in this man's life. Because he's not just a hearer. He's not just a part of a crowd. He he doesn't just enjoy being a part of a group of people who are interested in Jesus. It's been made personal in his life. And friend, neighbor, We're glad that you're here in this crowd. We're we're glad that so many of you are watching from a distance. But if the power of this phrase, I am His, is going to be reality in your life, you can't watch Jesus from a distance. You can't decide to dabble with Jesus after the sun goes down and and nobody is looking and then maybe ask some questions that have always been on on your mind. You, You can't just be a part of a crowd that comes and hears about Jesus. Now, when we sing and we say and we grow in in the depth of our understanding to realize I am his. Well, he's the king. I'm a servant. Go to the next verse. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 2 where these authors say, Grace to you from God our Father. Peace to you from our Father God and the Lord. Jesus Christ. What an amazing wish. What an amazing greeting or or, or prayer. That God 
the heavenly Father, the one who was there in the very beginning, the one who created everything around us, it's not an accident. You, you, you don't just happen to randomly exist on a rock that is meaninglessly flying through space. You have a Creator. A Creator who is willing to extend grace. A, a Creator who wants to be at peace with you. But you and I need to realize we belong to Him. He's the Father. Jesus is the Lord. And so, do you know how that works itself out in real life? Go, you, you might have to turn the page to Philippians chapter 2. Look in your Bible at Philippians chapter 2, same volume of the Bible, verses 14 and 15. What real difference does it make? I am His. Verse 14, do all things without grumbling or disputing. Well, now we just got really practical, didn't we? What a calling here at the beginning of this week. Don't be a grumbler. Don't get your kicks and giggles out of being a disputer with everybody else. Well, why? Where, where in the world did that come from? Verse 15, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. He is our Father. Look back at chapter 1 and verse 6. He who began a good work in you. Let's read Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6. I am sure of this, the Apostle Paul says, whose life has been completely changed by the power of this good news. Here's what he's fully convinced of. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. You know what that means? You're not the primary worker in your life. When I try to be the master craftsman of my own life, you know what I do? I make a grand mess of things, myself included. But you see, I am His. And so, in Philippians chapter 2, look at verses 12 and 13. Therefore, my beloved, as you've always obeyed. You see, he has the right to expect me to obey. Why? Because I am his. Paul says, I'm not there with you right now, but much more in my absence. You work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Listen to verse 13. For it is God who works in you. He's working on your will. And on my will. He's working on our work. Our way of looking at the world. Our way of approaching a, a new God-given week. He's working on us for His good pleasure. Again, we understand that when we, we turn the simple principle around. You spend 
months and months and months, not hiring somebody to build a house for you, but you, you building the house. It is your dream house. You saved, you planned, you drew up the plans. You're out there in retirement building a house for your own good pleasure. And you finally drive a loved one by and you stop and you say, that right there, that's mine. I built it. I planned it. I'm going to live in it. I am full of pleasure about it. That's mine. We understand that. When we're at the center of things, you see, we've never been at the center of things. We are His. And so, are you open to being worked on by Him? To set aside this, well, this is the way I've always been, this is the way I was raised, this is the way I'll always be. Well, no, you're not your own. You're His. And He's working on you. Go back to chapter 1 and verse 9. Philippians chapter 1 verse 9, the apostle says, It's my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve. You see, God's working on our wills. What we approve as excellent. He's working on us so that we can be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. And so, do I come and, and function as a part of a crowd who hears about Jesus? Or do I draw encouragement? Is my, my, my perspective sharpened as I do what God told me to do for my own good and for His glory? And then I leave here and I stay connected to Jesus like a branch to a vine. I'm not going to leave Jesus. I'm not going to leave my, my relationship, my connection to Jesus within the walls of this building because I want to bear the fruit of His Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I want my life to be filled with that fruit. And the only way that happens is if God the Father, the good vine dresser, works on me, prunes me, fertilizes me, connects me, challenges me to grow, providing the support that I need in and through Jesus Christ. Look at Philippians chapter 1 and verse 15. What a a powerful perspective that this man has, especially when we realize he's writing from prison for the sake of his faith in, in Jesus. He says just very straightforwardly, Philippians 1 verse 15, Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here. For the defense of the gospel. It's not, I find myself here. It's not somebody threw me in here. It's, I was put here. 
It's the attitude of Joseph at the end of Genesis. To his own brothers, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. I was put here. It's Esther being challenged with, who knows whether or not you have not come to the throne of this empire, married to this monarch, for such a time as this. I am put here. Simple way of reminding myself. It's not all revolving around me. Verse 18, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We hear who he is doing this for. The sake of whose name. Verse 18, what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed and in that I rejoice. It is all about Him. It is all for the sake of His name. And how is that made personal? That's verses 19 and 20. I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not at all be ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. You want something to take home with you today? What's greater than that resolution? Whatever happens in me, around me, through me this week, I am His. I will honor Him with the body and the time, and the opportunities that He has given to me. Verse 21, well, Paul, what if that turns out to be a really hard way to live? Verse 21, to me, to live is Christ. You see, I am His. To die is gain. Well, in what possible way could that be true if i'm to live in the flesh that means fruitful labor for me remember the goal my life filled with the fruit of righteousness yeah which i shall choose i i cannot tell i'm hard pressed this is a difficult choice because my desire is to depart and be with him why i am his here that news this morning, death does not rob him of you. Death does not frustrate his purposes for you. You do not get lost even in death. If you're his, you come into his presence. And so in verse 27, having shared his own perspective, he encourages readers of all time of this letter. Verse 27, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of God so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm. One spirit. Why? Because Christians are his. One mind. Why? Because we're His. Striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Why? Because we're His. And that changes everything. 
It changes the way we look at the world. Look at chapter 2 and verse 5. Have this mind among yourselves. How extraordinary that God is talking to us in a very real sense through this letter. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours. In Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Not my will, but your will be done, he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by coming obedient. Obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Could I encourage you to plant this seed in your mind from January of 2022. When we sing together throughout this year. I am His and He is mine. What are we doing? We're confessing that Jesus the Messiah is Lord. In our observance of the Lord's Supper, Lord willing, we have 50 more Lord's Days in 2022. And we heard it from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Every time we take up the Lord's Supper. Is it strange to the eyes of the world? What sense does it make in the eyes of someone who has no interest in being his? Him being theirs. But you see, this wasn't our idea. This wasn't any church father's idea. This was the king's idea. This is the Lord's Supper. And every time we partake of that on the first day of the week, what are we doing? We're confessing Jesus, my Savior, is Lord. Don't be a spectator to that. With all of your heart, say, I am His. I am in Christ. And if that's true, look quickly back at chapter 1, verse 1. When we're in Christ Jesus, we're recognized as saints. Now you know just as surely as I know that outside of Jesus Christ, you're not a saint. And I'm not a saint. But you see, through Him, everything changes. In Him, even someone like Saul of Tarsus could be a saint. Whomever you were, whatever you had done in Philippi, you could be recognized as a saint. And because of that grace, you could be confident. Look at verse 14. Most of the brothers having become confident in the Lord. You're not in Christ Jesus. Your confidence rests where? In yourself? In your health? In your job? Your your family, government, the future of this nation. Where, where, where is your confidence? How's that been working for you? 
You know how that works. But you see, in Christ, there's reason for confidence because we have access to a wealth of encouragement. In chapter 2 and verse 1, the Spirit leads Paul to say, if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, that's the air that we can breathe in Christ Jesus. Would you agree with me that is not the atmosphere of our culture? Which one are you going to breathe this week? It will depend upon who's treated as the main character of your story. Are you yours? Am I mine? Or are we His? Chapter 3 and verse 1. We can rejoice in Him with God-shaped perspective. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. That's what we're saying as we gather together as a church family. Or as we'll read, Lord willing, tomorrow in our daily Bible reading. Chapter 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer. You don't pray to yourself. You pray to Him. You're His. Invited to pray. Our Father in heaven. In everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And you travel that path this week, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Not the peace you're able to erect within your own home. Not the peace that's attached to your own health. Not the peace of having a good paying job. Not the peace that comes with being a citizen of these United States of America. It's the peace. The peace of God. Because I am His. And because of what I know. Because of this profound truth. Here's the heartbeat of it all. I want you to look in your Bible. If you're in the business of highlighting, marking, I want you to see in your Bible, Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. Philippians 3, verse 12. Not that I have already obtained this. Amen. That's true of me. Or am already perfect. That's true of you. What's 2022 all about? Let's press on to make these blessings our own. How can that possibly be the case? Well, here it is. Because Christ Jesus has made me His own. Could I encourage you to read your Bible this week? Many in this church family read that promise of Philippians 3 and verse 12. And it shaped the way they looked at life. Because this is it, ladies and gentlemen. In Christ, God has made me His own. 
through Christ, I can make these blessings my own. Lord willing, this coming Sunday morning, a week from today, Roger will look at the, the second of those phrases. I am His. He's mine. But right here, right now, we're going to stand and, and we're going to sing an invitation song to make sure you realize what your heavenly Father so, so desperately wants to give you. On Fridays this month, on our podcast, we're just having a basic conversation from Luke chapter 15, the, the famous parable of the prodigal son. Maybe it would be encouraging to you. One of the major strands of that whole parable is, well, what if I put my heart out there? What if I try? What if I come to Him with the filthy, foolish mess that I've made and He doesn't want me back? And so that, that son resolved that before his father even said anything, he would say, Father, I've sinned. I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned against you. I'm not worthy to be called yours if it's not just your, your servant. And so would you please let me come back and, and just be a servant, a slave. But you see, the entire context in Luke chapter 15 is when one sinner repents, there is indescribable joy in heaven. Why? Because someone who is His, has come home. Is there a celebration that needs to happen in heaven this morning? Because you realize it's time for you to come home. May you not doubt how desperately He wants you to come home. In the language of Paul from 2 Corinthians 5, we're ambassadors for Christ. God making His appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ. Be reconciled to God. You already belong to Him. He created you. Maybe you need to ask with those people on the day of Pentecost, what, what can I do? Maybe you need to hear the Spirit-provided answer. Repent. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you can be His. He can be yours. If we can help you in any way this morning, would you let us know how by coming to the front while we stand and sing together? When Jesus comes to